Hello, welcome or welcome back to the Millennial Crisis Podcast. In today's episode, I chat with Fabian Diamore. We talk about what personal development actually is and if it is this big wanky woo-woo thing that only hippies do. We also discuss bullying and taking accountability for our own actions. Finally, Fabian sets a really interesting challenge for all of us this week, and it involves toothpaste. So you have no excuse not to do this week's challenge. It's super easy, and I think it's going to be really effective. So without any further ado, let's jump straight into episode five of the podcast, Why I Thank My Bullies with Fabian Diamore. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. Fabian, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Demi. Pleasure to be here. How are you feeling? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Many things right yeah. now. Yeah. To be completely honest, not scared, but curious to see where this goes. Uh, I think we've got a great chat ahead of us. And let's, I guess, start with your name, your age, and what you do for work. Yeah, cool. My name's Fabian Demore. I'm 25, according to my birth certificate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, by trade, personal trainer and life coach. I think it's really interesting as well, because when we had first met, you were this huge charismatic kid that was just <laughs> a little bit wild, funny. And then to see you transition into a more serious side was that difficult because everyone had known you as this funny kid and now probably still got your jokey side but you've got a more serious tone and I guess was that difficult for close friends and family to watch you transition into that and were people mm. kind of hesitant in like mate who are you mm, you know yeah absolutely who are you not only did I get asked that by many others yeah but it was something I asked myself many times yeah it was like a morphine process where I'd wake up one day and would be like well which fab am I going to be today mm. would I be my authentic self and just express myself, whether it is being funny and stupid mm. or whether it's speaking slow and being really serious, yeah. or would it be that Fabian who just wants to fit in? Mm. And, you know, it, it, during high school, she, hell, even during primary school, it, it was hard being different, mm. naturally. Everyone's different in their own way, but I was a kid who seemed to be singled out as the guy to sort of give attention to. So it's really been like 17, 18 years of a continual battle of who am I going to be today? Who do I want to be today? And then I finally become to the outside world who I am internally. And it's tough because it's so much friction. People yeah. question me, people challenge. And, you know, I, I've seen that in others, but also felt it myself. The looks on their face or just that shock factor when mm. they think that you're not being yourself, but I'm actually, well, I think that I'm not being myself, but I'm being my realest, purest, rawest form. Yeah. And truth is, I mean, so many of us have so many different sides. It's tragic when we get known as a particular side yeah. because there's so much pressure to live up to that person. Is that funny side of you still there? Is that someone mm. that's still part of you or do you associate that funny guy with the old you? Wow, that is such a good question. Yeah, that funny guy is still there, more so than ever. And I, I feel like, I guess, the transition from being that generally charismatic, positive, upbeat, happy guy, yeah. I wanted to be as 
to try to distract people from how vulnerable I felt. And it became my greatest strength, but it also became my greatest weakness. And mm-hmm. I really hated that side and I didn't embark on that side. I didn't want to be known as that side. It was almost an insult when people gave me a compliment about that because I thought, well, you don't understand how much there is to me. Then when I started realizing, hold on a second, it's on me to show the world how much there is to me. That was really empowering because now the comedic side is there more than ever. I'm, you know, I have the balls, so to speak, to rip out inappropriate jokes and trust that the other people will understand it. You know, whether it's to clients where professionally I shouldn't be, whether it's to guys, whether it's to girls, whether it's to a random person in the gym or on the street. Right now, I'm just like, well, you know what? Fuck it. Like if someone can't tolerate however I am, as unpredictable it is, Mm. that's on them. Yeah. Um, but really funny because moving forwards for me, I want to incorporate a lot of comedic work with a very serious tone to it. Mm. Because, I mean, I've been watching a lot of comedians recently and a lot of them have had previous tra- traumas. Mm. And that's what's made them go to extreme lengths to just make fun of every part of themselves. Because really, you know, when someone's sick, laughter is the best medicine, right? Mm. So it's really beautiful that you ask this question now because realistically the last few days I'm like, shit. I really want to live a life where I embark the really deep, psychological, calm, cool, collected version of myself with the type of person who can make a room laugh in a heartbeat and use that humor to break tension but really bring home some serious points. So it always exists. It's always there. Yeah. It just depends, I guess, the environment and how much willing I'm prepared to be vulnerable. It's funny that you mentioned comedians because I recently listened to an interview. Uh, Tony Robbins interviewed Kevin Hart, mm. and it was interesting to hear his perspective and how the reason his comedy is so relatable is because he uses his trauma and makes it humor. Underlying all of his shows that he's done, there's a progression of his personal development, mm. and it was one thing he's like, I've come full circle on it. And he's like, people give me shit all the time for making mistakes, but he's like, I've grown. If you look at my first set I've ever did, I've grown not only as a comedian, but as a person, my audience have grown and developed with me. And I think that's really nice. And when you hear people like that, who are these like macho dudes that are funny and like, you know, killing it, talk about things like personal development, personal development gets such a bad rep. Mm. And I know it's something I've kind of struggled with is using the term personal development because it sounds so wanky. Yeah. So spot on. And what what just pops to mind is even just thinking back to high school, how much, I mean, for me, when I think of the class clown, Mm. it was something which gained you popularity with other people, but it was sort of frowned upon because you'd assume the class clown wouldn't be smart. You'd assume they weren't intelligent. You'd assume they almost wouldn't even have emotions because they were just like making fun of other people's shit. It is beautiful what you mentioned about Kevin Hart because I think the last few years, I can't remember who it was, but I've seen a few comedians make Netflix shows about drug addiction Mm. um, and bringing light to really serious topics. Mm. And I think comedy itself is really evolving because the more and more everyone can be a comedian and make fun of their biggest insecurities, well good on you because it just brings more power to yourself. The world that we're living in today, it's so hard to grab people's attention. And I think using, you know, things like comedy or music to send other messages in a more entertaining way, you have to be a lot more crafty about it. You can't just say to someone, yeah, let's work on ourselves. You know, it seems like a woo-woo kind of 
thing because we're so used to the mainstream, like, you know, only hippies in Bar and Bay. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Or like you yeah. go to Bali and that's where you like do that kind of <laughs> shit. It's more normal for people to solve their issues with things like drugs and alcohol and yeah. going out on the weekends. But I think it's so much cooler if you can be that person without those things and be confident enough in yourself and know yourself enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out, I'm going to talk to this guy or this girl or I'm going to get on the dance floor and I don't need these elixirs to be able to do that. And I think that comes from internal personal development. Yeah, so many. I mean, well, firstly, like what even is personal development? Yeah. And I think from what I've observed and learnt from many greats and even just realised within myself, everything is so contextual. Like personal development, people people know me now as a personal development guy because mm. I've, I've learnt from truly world leaders mm. and I pride it and it's my top value. But they, they think that they don't practice personal development and I sort of laugh in their face. I'm like, well, let me show you how you practice personal development. Mm. For a tradie, personal development could be keeping his cool, when his friend is losing his shit in the work site. I mean, you know, meditation could be cleaning the dishes because essentially it's bringing you back to yourself and clearing your mind. So people have a big charge on personal development and spirituality because they think of their friend who, you know, went off and did drugs in Byron or something like that. And whether it's wrong or right, a lot of people fear the way that people respond to people doing crazy stuff. Because everyone knows a spiritual friend who, you know, had their family kick them out because their family's like, well, that's against my values. And they assume that's personal development. Realistically, we're all into personal development. Mm. We all are taking in feedback every single moment. We all are listening to our friend's shit when they're heartbroken. We all are going through different moments, processing stuff subconsciously. So for me to say I'm into personal development and someone like, you know, a true blue stereotypical like Aussie trader say, no, I'm not into personal growth. It's like, well, it's just expressed differently. We're, we're so much more alike. Let's have a chat about that. That's awesome. And like I said, I really admire your confidence in being able to not only like share your experiences on Facebook and things like that, but also being a male. I'm interested to hear from your side how, uh, as a male, how difficult it's been for you to come out as a male and and have that boys boys like mm-hmm. you know ca- yeah. kind of environment <laughs> because I I, I, yeah. I applaud a lot of my male friends or you know family members who don't drink because I'm like there's a lot of peer pressure when it comes to the boys you mm-hmm. know as well so I'm I'm curious to see how that's been for you and whether it's been you having to move away from certain friends so that you can continue on your path or mm. educating them in a different way well, when it comes to I guess all of that I, I have distinct memories of when I was in pre-prep mm. 1999 I was four and a half years old <laughs> we're, we're, a, we're real we're distinct here you're like yes it was a Tuesday it was sunny about 14 degrees <laughs> I think I might have the humidity written down um, I remember having the hots for a girl who was in grade six and I remember okay. talking to my friend at the time and you know she was like leagues above us she was you know what she would have been 12 years old we were four and a half yeah 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 and like at lunchtime I would find a friend and would literally like stalk her like just watch her play yeah and we were like oh she's so cute maybe we can like fake an injury and get her to hug me love and, and a few other guys overheard me and you know they gave me shit for it 
as much as you could in pre-prep. And, and then I started realizing like, okay, well, I have to keep quiet about this. Like I'm young, she's older. So straight away, like I have conscious memories now from that age of yeah. me understanding that it was not okay to acknowledge and honor my feelings. So that really echoed through primary school and high school, being at a guy's school, you know, there was a lot of bullying there. And, and I was on the receiving end of it, which I'm so grateful for now because yeah. Going through that pain and going through that mental anguish and going through the question of, well, who the hell am I? Why am I not good enough? Why aren't people accepting me? Now I've realized my strength now was my weakness back then Mm -hmm. because people were intimidated by my free expression, my ability to just be vulnerable in myself. But far out, like I was pinned down physically, um, sworn at. People would confess their secrets to me. Um, regarding their own sexuality, like Mm. them wanting to come out of the closet and then spread rumours around me confessing to them that I was gay to try bring the attention away from them. Mm. And there are so many countless situations um, where other guys did that. And, you know, I was a skinny, sick, frail, victim, white boy. Like I just see it as a beautiful thing that I was able to go through like genuinely 15 years of being bullied, more so by myself than anyone else because mm. it all started with me first and foremost. Yeah. I have to own it. Me not honouring and treating myself well is what started all of the bullying. Mm. But it was just amazing to see all these people lash out at me and then change completely differently around other people. And I would find solace in female friends and understand how they act more intuitively, how they seem to feel a bit deeply. Then I thought, well, something doesn't align because I'm feeling deeper, if not more, if not the same or more than these girls are, but I'm a guy. So Mm. why aren't more guys talking about this? And then slowly, slowly, slowly through time, there'd be moments where people would confide in me when they had to have a deep chat about stuff, or I'd just be there saying the right thing at the right time. And that certainly helped open a few doors and reassured me that I was on the right pathway. But regarding the culture of boys and everything, you know, to address what you said about drinking, it is great when people don't drink, but sometimes it's more dangerous when they don't drink because they think they're in the clear. People Mm. think, oh, well, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't go out as much as I used to. At least I'm not as bad as this person. But the real tragic thing lies in what they don't even know they're capable of. If they're watching TV every night or addicted to the same Netflix shows or hanging around a group of friends who don't really make them feel inspired and fulfilled, that to me is more tragic than someone who binge drinks every so often. Mm. Like I've learned to read That's between... That's such a pressing point. It's not about, yeah, the, the drinking side of things. You're so right. It's I, I think even in like the drug realm of things, you can hear people like, oh, you know, but I just do coke. I don't do, mm-hmm. you know, this. I don't do that. And yeah. it's that comparison of, well, at least I'm not here. Again, it's it's about from within and what your issues lie. Like, again, like drinking's not bad. I don't think certain drugs and things that people take are an issue if they're doing it in a particular way yeah. as well. Yeah. That's such an interesting point. It is, and... It's eaten me alive now. I think I've gotten the better of it because I can speak about it aloud and really accept that that's how I view the world. Yeah. But for quite a while, I was like, how do I not come off as being too negative here or narcissistic? Because people would say, oh, look, I had a great dinner last night. Or, oh, look, I stopped drinking. And I congratulate him. But it got to the point I thought, I keep feeding these people. What about the other areas of their life not speaking about? I love it when people make great changes and, you know, do their meal prep or stop drinking. But 
I think it's very, very sad for humanity if we give people so much praise for what they've stopped doing without actually holding them accountable to a higher standard and making sure it's not shifting. And in the physical world, you know, like if you go to like a physio or osteo and they get rid of your back pain, but a week later, all of a sudden you get knee pain, there's a very good chance perhaps that they simply did a bit of manipulation and your pain moves elsewhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of people won't have the awareness to make that connection. I've learned enough about the body and the mind to realize that it's very easy for us to push pain somewhere else. And sometimes we sort of rush it under the carpet sometimes in the closet, sometimes we like lock it away in like a 30-year loan and we don't have to pay for that shit for 30 years and it hits us, hence midlife crisis. Yeah. But really, you just got to question everything. Yeah. Because nothing is as it seems. For sure. Yeah. Because it's it's like, I think especially now more than ever, it's all about quick fixes, Mm. right? Because everything we're fed and everything we get is quite instant, whether it's same day delivery or likes and, you know, on, on an, a photo, you know, it's instant gratification. And so whenever in ourselves, if we're feeling bad, instead of feeling bad, we're like, well, what's going to fix it? Mm. Is it, you know, uh, going out tonight and going for drinks? And mm. I don't, or is it, you know, going to uh, KC and having, uh, you know, your hangover meal and <laughs> shit like that, whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I, think they're all great like I'm not saying any of them are bad to do because I don't think they are at all and like hi me I do that shit all the time but like that's such an interesting point of like if you figure out kind of who you are and what your issues are it'd be interesting to see what what of those habits kind of fall away and which ones are your good habits because maybe going out to bars and stuff is something that you do have to introduce into your life a lot more because it's kind of cool to stay in as well Mm -hmm. as go out like Mm. there's both of those extremes now one thing I'm really curious about is like meme culture and how that's enabled people to talk about mental health but in a humorous way yeah so so interesting I think that's yeah that's a really Yeah, really cool um, perspective on things. Um, So let's talk a bit about, I guess, your personal development journey. And, you know, you said about you being bullied. And I think it's that reflection period of primary school and high school that I think is really crucial for us to all look back on and see, well, how did we treat others? And also how did others treat us? And then what of those things are affecting us now? Mm. Because that's such a growth period for us. So if you were, you know, something called something when you were in primary school, is that something that sits with you your whole life and does mm. that come out in different yeah, insecurities? Yes. Yeah, yeah, well said. Absolutely. I mean, I guess firstly to address, the con- you know, bullying, I think, yeah, well, the way I view it personally, mm. I, you know, I always know there's a balance in everything. Mm-hmm. And um, without going too deep on it, there's like a universal law about conservation and preservation and other ones talking about nothing is lost. It simply shifts form. Mm -hmm. So I like to apply that to, for example, when I was bullied, when I was, say, physically held down and restrained, I knew that the opposite to physical is mental, Mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. So I knew that mentally at that time I was mentally restraining myself a lot. So it was tragic that I was physically hurt and all the rest. But at the same time, I was having done to me by the outer world what I was doing to myself internally. Mm. And I think I'm sure everyone can resonate in their own way. If you don't listen to a message internally, it starts to get louder. 
It might be a little insecurity or a little nudge or a little gut feeling, but if you ignore it, it comes back and it comes back and it comes back through physical illness, through other people around you giving you shit, through tragic life events. Like, universe forces you to go a specific pathway inevitably. You've got to confront your shit. Yeah. So I, I love what I love about bullying and what I like to do in future when I'm teaching people about it, and even currently when I talk to clients who are bullied mm. or are the bullies, um, you know, just basically looking at the complete opposite of what's going on. Mm. Like if someone's angry that someone's physically abusing them, I personally can't change that guy who touches them, but I can make them look internally and empower themselves by making them realize where they're not taking ownership of what they can and can't do. Mm. So that's the beautiful gift about bullying is that there's generally someone who's really struggling to come to terms with their reality and they're lashing out and sometimes it's tragic and unfortunate but they're bringing to attention other stuff in other people, which they may not have known consciously. Mm. That's where I think society has failed to a degree because we don't bring attention to the good sides of bullying because, God, well, I'll be damned if we say bullying's good and might make more of them. Let's just keep saying it's bad and creating bigger bullies in different ways. Mm. Like I think personally we don't need to celebrate bullies, but there needs to be a sense of, okay, well, rather than punishing the bullies – why not just sort of honour everyone and help people appreciate themselves? I love what you said about you can't help a, what a bully's doing or you can't help what other people do. What you can help is yourself and what actions you can take and also what words hurt you the most or what areas hurt you the most. And I think that's so important, like perspective, mindset and like empathy for other people, even if it's in a negative way, Mm. I I think are so crucial. In those situations, like what can people do to, I guess, look inwards versus continue to get angry at that person who is harming them? Because that's not doing anyone any good, is it? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it is contextual, but what I can say, you know, when, when there's a sense of being bullied, I think there's also an association of, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that I'm being bullied. Mm. And I think when someone says I'm not fair or that's not fair, reality is there's a sense of a victim because it's like, well, I'm the victim in this situation. Mm. And that becomes very hard for someone to get on top of their life and take control if they're the victim. Because if they're the person who, well, people never treat me right, people always do this, guys or girls always fuck me over, well, that's a personal affirmation. Like you're literally bringing a different energy to the table when you carry that belief that you're the victim because people fuck you over. Mm. So first and foremost, like what I say to people, like, okay, well, you know, where were you in control in the situation? And we'll generally siphon it down to the fact that people are in control because they can choose to fight back or not. They can choose to speak up or not. They can choose to go about it in a certain way where repercussions aside, they speak their truth. I think the person being bullied first and foremost has got to speak their truth. And if that means speaking up against a bully who happens to be a family member, so be it. Mm. Like I'm talking to everyone being bullied, but also talking to an early version of myself, like stand up for yourself. Mm. Say, hey, it's inappropriate that you're touching me or hey, it's inappropriate that you're saying those things. And I get that you're expressing yourself, but I'm expressing myself right now. So what are we going to do about it? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't want to go more specific because bullying is a perception. Like, 
I could grease you off right now and you might not think anything of it. But if I grease someone else off on the street, they might think I'm bullying them because I'm intimidating them. So it's all relative to perception, Demi. And this yeah. is this is the thing. Like we talk about bullying like it's, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. What the hell is that? And going back to relationships of what you said before about people who stay with people who may not treat them the best, it all comes down to our deserve level and how much we think we're worth. Because, well, I've spoken to too many girls, too too many women who've stayed with guys who physically and mentally abused them. And by abuse, I mean, you know, verbal criticism or lashing out with anger and all the rest. And reality is those women don't believe they're worth anymore. If they did, they wouldn't accept it. If they're beating themselves up internally and a guy's beating himself up, but not as bad or not as consistently as they are, they're still being treated by this man better than they are in their head. Mm -hmm. So really, like, it comes down to fucking ownership. And it comes down to evaluating, like, asking the question, where have I been a victim? I know for me, like, I'm a victim if if I'm coming here causing up a storm because I was stuck in traffic. Mm. I'm pulling a victim if I get angry because I get a parking fine when I didn't pay my ticket. Like, I'm pulling a victim so many times a day, and we all are, in a way that we get angry when people don't give us what we want, when we think that, oh, well, other people should be more considerate to me. If we can start looking at our lives and owning we're a victim and then owning how much control we actually have over those situations, Mm. you win. Yeah. Because I know when I'm in my energy, I can't be bullied. Like, people couldn't throw stuff at me. Like, this week alone, I've shared very vulnerable posts online and I've spoken freely. If someone says, oh, hey, you know, you cry, I'm like, whatever, I cry. (laughs) Like, who doesn't? Like, I cried last night watching Grey's Anatomy. What do you even mean? (laughs) Like, people will throw stuff out there, like fishing, looking for something, like trying to sink it. Like, yes, I've caught some attention. I know I can't be bullied when I own where I'm a victim. Anyone could say anything to me and I would not see them as a bully. I would thank them personally for being a mirror if they did trigger me for being a mirror to where I can grow myself. <laughs> no, it's it's really cool. And I'm like, I love everything you say because it is so true. And I think it takes so much courage to get to that point to be able to speak so freely about those things. And I think I probably started working on myself and doing those kinds of inward things that are about like, you know, maybe 2014. And I thought I've gone like leaps and bounds, but talking to you, it's like, there's so many things that I still wouldn't be comfortable, like saying out loud. And I always thought I don't give a fuck, but you do. It's always hard to be super vulnerable and you get to these certain levels. And as soon as you are, and you are that person that's like, I own who I am. It's amazing how many more people want to share Mm. with you about who they are or what they're feeling and different insecurities that they have or how they view things. How much of a journey has it been for you and when did you start this inwards reflection? It really began like deeply intensely. It would have been 2015. Um, At the time I was working at the gym on reception doing overnight shifts and I picked up a few Richard Branson books And, you know, at this point, I've read probably 5,000 books in my life. Love reading books. They're mostly about nature and fantasy books. But I read a few Richard Branson books, read a few Steve Jobs books, read a few books from, I guess, visionaries. And, you know, I read a particular book by Seth Godin called Lynchpin. And in essence, it was talking about being indisposable. You know, be the linchpin, be the guy who, or or the girl, in my context, it was guy, be the guy who's indispensable. And I remember reading it. It was 3 a.m. on a Monday morning. 
And I thought, well, I'm going to scrub the toilets better than anyone else here. <laughs> so literally I read this book, put it down, went and fucking cleaned the toilets. And I, I adapted that mentality to different areas of life. Like mm. I want to be indispensable. Mm. And it referenced, you know, the Industrial Revolution, like the manufacturing industry, the technological industry. It was just talking about how humans were replaced and people would whine about that. People still do. Reality is perfect. You, you've got a challenge. Now's your time to adapt and grow. So adapt and grow was a practice that I practiced throughout my life. It meant going to different courses as in motivational ones. And I spent a few years, you know, seeking motivation, which was great at the time because motivation came with passion and intensity and high energy. And that translated to me being very charismatic and going out and still drinking and getting a new relationship and running loud personal training boot camps and being very like out there, being very extroverted. But in my opinion, motivation to mood. Oh, I feel motivated today. And I certainly stopped feeling motivated because all of a sudden I was like, I feel down. I feel sad. I feel depressed again. What's going on here? And then I went really deep like on the human behavior, spirituality realm and started looking at universal laws, started looking at like ancient, ancient texts, started listening to podcasts. Um, I'd listen to six, seven, eight, 10, 12 hours of it a day. Um, and that's why I don't listen to them anymore because for a good five years, I listen to it so much every day. I'm just podcasted out currently. Like yeah, my ears can't handle sure. it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I was reading, I was going to seminars. I, I learned a lot from John Demartini, who's truly a world leader when it comes to values and human behavior and psychology. Um, traveled to Sydney. I spent a good, you know, like I, I was attending like six, $7,000 five day programs. Like I was paying ridiculous amounts and I even paid 20, 30 K for personal training programs. I, I was a personal development junkie mm. and no, no regrets. Mm. You know, did I implement most of it? No, not mm. at the time. It was going from one modality to one method, to one guru, yeah. to the next. It was like hopping and crossing and implementing and never following through. And that is a form of addiction. It's as bad, if not more dangerous than the drinking and the drugs because mm -hmm. I was completely unaware of the addiction I was running mm -hmm. and addiction stemmed from unfulfillness. Yeah. So I love personal development. I was doing the right thing and looking after myself and learning more, mm -hmm. but deep down I was still so unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I only really became aware of last year and I thought, well, I'm going to draw a firm line now mm -hmm. and step back from all the gurus, not put anyone up on a pedestal, understand that I can take anything from anyone with a pinch of salt, no matter how good they seem to be or how popular they are, or no matter how many testimonials they say they have. And, you know, there's a lot to it. It's been complex, but I really started listening to myself more. It's, it's really interesting how you said about that, because I used to, cons like, I used to be the same in terms of podcasts. I used to listen to a lot of self-development mm. stuff, but never do anything I was listening to. I, like, my phone was filled with notes of things that I should do, because every podcast I'd listened to had a different message. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I set challenges at the end of each episode is because you can't just listen to shit. You've got to do it as well. And I couldn't preach anything I was listening to because mm. I wasn't doing it myself and I wasn't I wasn't listening to it myself or practicing anything myself. And like you said, taking things with a pinch of salt and being like, okay, how can I apply this to my life now or what about this is relevant and how can I take action now to implement that in the smallest way, whether it's like 
waking up in the morning and making my bed. Do you know what I mean? Like at least that is one small thing I can do to set me up for the day and you need to start something small and that's part of the development journey. It's not just about the consumption of things but Mm. also the practice. Do we practice what we preach a lot of the time, you know, and I catch myself doing shit like that all the time and I'm like, who the fuck do I think I am telling people this is what you need to do or this is how you do it? And, and me having never done it before, you know, mm-hmm. or me having never experienced it before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Look, hypocrisy is a huge one. And to go back to bullying, that's big insulation to protecting yourself from being hurt by bullies, bullies also. Mm-hmm. See, I've owned where I have been the bully. Mm-hmm. I've owned where I've been very overpowering with my voice or my mood or my silence. I've owned where I've been destructive in nature, where I've been physically dangerous to others, where I've been an angry drunk, where I've been on drugs and fuck, arrested because dangerous to, to society. I've owned on a one-to-one basis also to a like me versus society. I've owned where I've been the villain, the bad one. Um, so that also makes me understand bullies better because... Who am I to call them out on their shit when I do that shit too, Mm. number one? So that's going back to that. Um, But, yeah, look, when it comes to the personal development and all that, you're right. I mean, it's great to learn, but we get so hidden behind the books and we get the dopamine hit and we think we're doing well. And if you tell a friend, oh, I've been reading up on this new personal (laughs) development book, that's so good, good on Mm. you. You know, it's, it's, it's really very like a false illusion. Like the good questions to ask are, okay, well, what have you implemented and how has it benefited your life? And, oh, oh, you're doing this new practice, so how's it been the last few months? Mm. Oh, you've only started it yesterday and you did a different thing last week and a different thing the week before. Like, mm. you've got to give it time. Mm. And when you surrender to giving things time, you actually get to where you want to be so much faster because mm. there's no attachment. Like, if, if I'm attached to asking a girl out and I really, really want it, there's a sense of desperation. Mm. And there's a lot of desperation with a lot of people who choose to pursue personal development because I really, really hope that the next podcast with the next big name will give them that really inspiring thing. For me, I've gotten the most inspiration and most life change from like really, really mundane advice like speak with your mouth open, speak slower, breathe deeper. (laughs) When your mouth is shut, keep your teeth touching to sort of preserve your energy sometimes. I've gotten really wacky advice that trumps listening to Tony Robbins' podcast or Tim Ferriss' show or the other big mainstream ones. So even then, people diss out on big companies and marketing and all the rest, but we really sell ourselves out when we keep thinking that these big shot names every single person out there can change our life. They've got the answer. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's on us. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, 100%. It's... um, Yeah, it's really interesting. It's something that I started to realise over the past few years is the end of the day, it's us that have the answers and we're the only ones that can change things and we just need to be more accountable for ourselves because once we are, we can help so many more people as well, which I think a huge part of our issues in in the workplace and as millennials, as a generation is we're looking for this fulfillment factor. And so when you said before about, you know, 
a friend saying to you, oh, you're doing great. You're reading this book. La la la. You're not going out as much. It's the same as someone saying to you, oh my God, you work at Maya. You're doing these incredible things. You've got the job title of like, you know, marketing director (laughs) and them being miserable and wanting to like, you know, not wake up in the morning to go to work, but because everyone else is giving them this, you know, validation that that's where they should be, instead of, you know, seeking it internally and being like, no, I feel like shit. This place is making me feel like shit. I'm not getting my sense of purpose or connection from here. Everyone else is telling me that it's so great. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that it can come from different realms. It's not just... Mm you know, that internal factor. And maybe it's about us changing the way we converse with people and the questions that we ask. What do you think that we can do for each other to ask new questions instead of it being like, hey, Mm. how are you? Or Mm. hey, how are you Mm. going? What do you think we can do in terms of friends and when we do catch up that we can have these more meaningful conversations firstly i'm going to speak in the i not because i want it to be about me but i think if everyone speaks about i that's powerful in itself because if we start saying for example rather than saying we can do this i can do this rather Mm. than saying we feel hurt i feel hurt and when you take ownership and speak and lead by example and saying i you become a leader because leaders put themselves first mm-hmm. in their own right. And if I say, I feel hurt, I feel sad, or, or I feel like blah, 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 it opens an invitation for you to share what you feel. Firstly, I is so important. I find a lot of the times if I'm speaking about something I'm uncomfortable about, I will put that... We all feel, you know, you know, you know, know, you know how, yeah, you know, know how is, that, yeah. Say. Instead of uh, that's so interesting, yeah. yeah I, I love that. I have fun with this because some people are so ingrained to saying, you know, you know, you know, you know. Times I walk in and I, you know, I see someone and be like, hey, I'll just say hey, or they'll say hey, and straight away they'll be like, oh, blah 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 blah. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say, and I think an effective thing I teach people is just like, just say, okay, hold on a second. Like, firstly, how are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, no, 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 no. Like, how are you really? And when you can change your energy, that invites people to drop theirs because mm. it's it, it breaks their state. It's like psychology 101. Break the state and you, you have a better chance at making people change. Mm. So when people are really wired up or in zombie mode of, hey, how are you? And you give them a response, I don't even hear you because I don't even care. Like, just change your energy. So for me, if someone's like, hey, Fab, how are you? I'd be like, the real question is, how are you? And I'll I'll ask it slowly. Mm. And they're like, oh, I'm good. You? I'm like, yeah. And then the old me would say, yeah, I'm good. The new me says, I'm feeling like, okay, right now. I'm feeling a bit sad or feeling happy or feeling like fulfilled because I finally got to write last night. Mm. And I take ownership of sharing exactly how I feel. Mm. And I have no fear of it being too much for people now. And then I let it sit there. And they might ask a few probing questions or they might be like, oh, my gosh, me too. Or they may share deeper stuff of how they feel. Or they may say nothing and you can say, how do you really feel? Because mm. I was about to say I feel good to you, but I know that that would have been robbing you of really learning more about me. So I'm going to challenge you and share a bit more. Like that is fucking uncomfortable. And I was going to say, how do people, yeah, how do people react to that? It just starts that? with you saying it to yourself. Yeah. Honestly, it starts in the mirror and it's so cliched and it's so boring because everyone's like, just look in the mirror. But that's what I've done. Yeah. But, you know, when you're conversing with people, hey, how are you, blah, 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 what would you get up to? I, I ask some people, what have you learned today? Or I say, apply the notion that we manifest all the challenges in our life for growth. 
why did you manifest the recent challenges? Mm. And I'll be like, oh, why did I bring about that challenge in my life? Mm. Or I'll say, what have you learned recently which you can apply to my friend who's depressed? Mm. Or, hey, Demi, like the other day I was thinking about what type of dad I want to be. What type of mother would you want to be? Like, I just, it's so, yeah. it's so out yeah. there, but yeah. it brings people's mind away from their daily shit. Yeah. And then they come back to it, and it's a better place to be at. Mm. Honestly, if I can do it, anyone can. Yeah. Seeing change in people who've worked with me for one session, yeah. and I'm like, my God, you've just done in one hour. It took me like eight years. Uh-huh. Don't let my journey like be like, oh, well, he's really developed in that sense. Because yeah. I've seen 16 year olds, 30 year olds, 50 year olds, 80 year olds implement stuff for crazy success. Yeah. It can be as simple as, yeah, like, I'm good. How are you? Compared to, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, cool. Or, All right. you know, you yeah. know, like, it's... Yeah, for sure. It's, it's no, really I get it. It's just breathing, Dem. It's, yeah. it's breathing and also saying, you know, what's, what's been a highlight of your week? Or what, what are you looking forward to next week? Or if you had a magic wand, what would you do? The truth is everyone is a reflection of us. Mm. And what I do and what I recommend to people and sometimes I'll tell people who ask me how I am, I'm like, you really want to know how I am? Well, here's an excerpt into my thought process. Like the other day I got really annoyed that my brother told me off about a towel being in the bathroom yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I didn't accept his him letting me know. Mm. I got angry and thought, well, fuck, well, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. <laughs> Truth is I got angry at him because he brought to my attention something that I didn't do very well. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, how can I grow from this situation? Well, one, put my towel away straight away. Two, he's triggering me because he's actually being straight to the point and I got a bit angry at myself because I wasn't straight to the point with someone. Yeah. So me leaving my towel out just made me think, all right, where do I need to message someone and get straight to the point uh, and address the elephant in the room? Mm. And then, like, on a daily basis, shit happens. And if mm. I get annoyed at someone for being late, I think, okay, well, why do I believe that everyone should be on time, mm. number one? Two, what am I really feeling inside? Mm. Is it a bit of abandonment? Is it a bit of frustration? Is mm. it fear that from six years ago when someone didn't come for three hours and I felt like an idiot because I waited around because I had no self-worth? Mm. Like, personal development and, and growth doesn't have to be so deep nor does yeah. it have to be so shallow it's mm. just saying well what annoys me what makes me feel emotions why does that emotion keep popping up yeah yeah for sure and I think the point that you keep coming back to is you you're the only one yeah. that can make the change you're the only one that come can come to these so I think about those people who have those complaints about, but my friends never ask me to Mm. do this Mm. or, you know, they never ask me how I am or I always congratulate people or say happy birthday to people, but they never do the same for me. In every single situation, it is us. And the thing is, that's not sexy. People would love to hear and they'll happily pay and they do happily pay thousands and thousands to hear about other people's stories, which is great. Mm. But then they forget forget that when they leave that door, like it's about I. Like, mm. people listening to this right now, like, whether you like or hate this or think it's boring or turn it off already or keep listening to it, like, all that matters is who you're going to bed as tonight and who you're waking up as tomorrow. Mm. And it's really tragic when we hold ourselves back because we think we might make someone uncomfortable, mm. we think we're too much. Mm. Like, I had an insecurity of being too much. Like, I say to people, and it's very hard, some people don't want to hear this, but you are not too much, you're not too loud, you're not too skinny, you're not too fat, mm. you're not too intense, you're not too rude, you're not yeah. too arrogant, you're not too this or too that. Express and say whatever the hell you want to say. Mm. And if it means someone saying, how are you? And you're saying, like, I feel depressed and I fucking hate life right now, fucking say it. Mm. You're not a burden to someone else. Yeah. And if they choose to feel that way when you say that, that's on them. The more we authentically ourselves, the more we'll attract people that actually add value yeah. to our lives. If patterns keep happening, 
okay, well, why does this keep reoccurring? Mm. Why have I not learned? A lot of people, it's easy to blame the world, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think the common theme here is it always comes back to you and the only thing you can ever control is yourself. I've got three questions that I ask everyone. So the first question of it all is, what is the first small step you took to achieve the person that you are now? What was that first tiny thing that was the catalyst to the Fabian that's sitting here right now? It was a moment of fuck it. What's the worst thing that could happen? (laughs) And that train of thought has led to many life-changing moments, which led to who I am now. But in February, I thought, fuck it. What's the worst that could happen? And I booked a road trip. I booked in to go see Jordan Peterson, psychologist I, I really admire. And I drove to, to Adelaide overnight. I thought, fuck it, like, whatever. Why, yeah. why can't I just drive it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. And I stopped off. And the real fuck it moment was going to a nude beach. Love that. And, you know, I was like, oh, shit. What if I'm spotted at a nude beach? People going to think I'm a creep. This guy going by himself, like, what the fuck? So many insecurities. And yeah. I spent a good hour in the car, like, anxious as fuck. I was literally shaking. Yeah. I thought, this doesn't sit right with me, that I'm not comfortable in my own skin because yeah. I've been really hypocritical to everyone. And eventually yeah. I went there, went to the beach, and, you know, there was no one there when I got down. I thought, this is like a scene from a movie. Yeah. What the hell? But I, I got there and I laid my towel down and I was reading. But the real moment, like, beyond when I was naked was I went out to the ocean and a really big waves and it was cold. And I was just scared to put my head underwater. I thought, no one's around. There's that fear of drowning. Really, that was big for me because I thought, well, I, I can't have, no one's got my back. I'm out of control here. I started trusting myself then. I didn't even give a fuck that I'm naked or they looking at me because I just proved to myself that I do have my own back. And there are many moments of that. And that's so powerful, Dem, because we forget when we have our own back. Second question is, what would you consider to be your biggest millennial crisis right now? And a millennial crisis is defined as a privileged problem. It's feeling restless in the job I have. I've got a little studio I'm in a position where I can change people's lives and I do change many people's lives. But there's a burning desire within myself for more. How bad of a person am I if I'm helping people change their lives and it's still not good enough for me? And that's fucking deep and it's hard to say. I've never said that aloud. Like, it's a fucking privilege that I'm in a position where people trust me, not with their money. People think money's the investment. It's it's their trust. Mm. It's their time, which they never get back. I've got that and it's not enough for me. Yeah, that fucked me up. That would that would fuck me up yeah. <laughs> because it's like your there is purpose in your work. Like, mm. yeah. But that that then also applies on like society's beliefs of, well, you help people make their life better, so you should be happy. Yeah. And it's like, well, why should I? Yeah. Why should I? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the final question there is, what is one thing you're still curious about or want to explore? How powerful humans can be. And what I mean by that is I've witnessed women and and men in front of me who've been stripped of their limiting beliefs and they've achieved some crazy shit in their life. Mm. And I've literally changed a belief in an hour or a workshop. And, like, there'll be a lot of synchronicities, like people I just think of reach out to me, making crazy income weeks, feeling really strong, sleeping less. Like, I'm like, fuck, I feel like superhuman. Mm. I'm so curious to what happens to me and even just to anyone when they actually get rid of all their childhood beliefs about themselves, all their limitations. I mean, they're always going to have some, but I'm curious to see what we're actually capable of if we speak our truth every moment, 
if we demand our worth, if we say no to people more, mm. say yes to more, like, that's fucking fascinating. Like, yeah. what would happen if everyone started standing up to their family and speaking their radical truth and radically self-expressed themselves? How far could we go? Mm. What would we change? Who would we be? Mm. That's a lifelong journey, but that is so interesting. So to end, I have one challenge that I set for everyone, a small step they can take away from this episode to start them on their journey. Do you Mm. think, should we (laughs) go into the, yeah? (laughs) Okay, awesome. Okay. (laughs) Toothpaste. Let me, let me go deeper. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Okay. This is not I just bought new toothpaste today too, so I'm excited (laughs) to do this. Toothpaste can change your life. (laughs) And if toothpaste can change your life, in essence, anything else can. Yeah. So something I started doing for myself was every time after I brushed my teeth, I'd put toothpaste on there and have the toothbrush out. And I just let it sit there. And next time I'd go to brush my teeth, I'd be like, oh, I'd literally by habit get the toothpaste. I'm like, oh, I don't need to put it on. Awesome. And I'd brush my teeth and I'd I'd literally be like, oh, that was so much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't the toothpaste dry out? No, it it didn't. I I have a natural one and I've used Colgate one before and it doesn't. It doesn't? I brush my teeth two, three times a day and it doesn't dry out. Yeah. So even sometimes if I forget, I just, before I brush my teeth. Okay. And it filters through because literally it starts with toothpaste for me. And then it leads to me making my bed earlier. And then it leads to me putting my bag in the car rather than by my bed. And honestly, <laughs> doing toothpaste in advance literally changed my fucking life. Okay, cool. It's, yeah. It's so no, it's funny that you say that. You know how I said about the sleep thing before? Yeah. My first step wasn't sleep. I say that because it's easier. My first step was like of me like kind of doing adding small habits to my life was taking everything out of my car yeah. as soon as I got home because I would be that person with like 12 drink bottles in the back fucking shit in the boot mm. like having to move shit out but for a week I was like the one thing I'm going to do this week is just take my shit with me inside the mm. mug that I had in the morning my breakfast container whatever it is my bag And that led to so many different habits. It's interesting that the toothpaste thing is like the same concept kind of thing of like you're making one tiny promise to yourself. It allows you to make more tiny promises to yourself. Look, it's a domino effect and fundamentally it's appreciation. Yeah. Because every time I brush my teeth, Literally, I think I really appreciate myself like three hours ago. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Thanks, old fast. So, like, thank you. And now people are like, how, how do you fit in so much? Because I fit in a hell of a lot in my schedule. I'm a fucking busy man. Yeah. Because my bag is in the car, everything's cleaned. And, you know, we don't need to go deeper on that stuff. But if you hoard stuff, obviously you've got the mindset of holding shit you don't need. Yeah. So starting with the toothpaste, like I wake up, start my day. And I'm like, I'm just saving so much energy. This is so good. Yeah. And you get addicted yeah, to yeah, just yeah. appreciating yourself. Yeah, it's, I love that. Yeah. All right, toothpaste. This week we are all putting our <laughs> toothpaste on our brush uh, after we finish to to make uh, our future selves' lives a little bit easier. And if toothpaste I can love do that, that like, yeah. wow, like that is inspiring. That's cool. I love that. Oh, this is one of my favourite challenges to come out. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think it takes a lot, like I said, you know, before we even started this, for you to share a lot of the things that you do. And I don't, I think when people see people share these things, they don't realise how much it takes for someone to share that because... Yeah. They just think that's that person Correct. or, you know, that's who they are or that's what it is. But no matter who you are, it takes a lot to press that button and not 
hes- like not have a hesitation for it. Oh, everyone yeah. has hesitations. Everyone has their own insecurities and shit. Um, so I really appreciate you doing that. I'm sure a lot of people appreciate and will continue to appreciate the way you express yourself and the things that you do. Um, so keep it up, man. It's, it's really cool. Thank you. And, you know, as much as others may perceive me as confident and outgoing, I'm equally insecure and feeling inferior inside but mm. I've just chosen to love and accept that part of me yeah. and that's what leads to confidence Yeah, and I know that anyone listening right now like will have grown so much just listening to this because their brain will be like oh my gosh you've been in control of so much of your life mm. and that's a really beautiful thing we have no idea how much we can actually control everything for people to follow you so if anyone wants to get in touch where's the best place for them to, yeah, cool. to follow you as of currently Instagram so <laughs> the username is the T-H-E Fabian Demore. All of his links will be in the the description. And we'll pop a link for the website also where I'm going to share a lot more stuff. I think today's been great and we've gone very deep. If you're ready to go down the rabbit hole, find me. Yeah, find me. (laughs) Find me. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Fabian. I really appreciate it. And um, check out all of Fabian's stuff. Uh, He's doing some really cool things. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. Thank you. Thank you.